You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., episode number 1074. Yeah, how do you find these buyers? Um, we've connected with them just over time. I mean, we've been in the business now for three and a half years. And I think just over time, we've met people in, in Boise and going to meetups and stuff like that, just who you know are interested in, in the bigger stuff. They'll buy flips as well, but they're really more interested in bigger multifamily. Yeah. And I think it's just being connected to people, you know, big guys in each market and knowing them and having a good relationship with them. They can kind of connect you with other people. So we just also weren't afraid to reach out to anybody. Mm-hmm. If we had a question or we saw somebody in a group who was doing something and that interests us or we were kind of doing the same thing, you know, just not being afraid to shoot them a message on Facebook and then talk to them. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling. Welcome to the Wholesaling Inc. podcast. I am your host, Brent Daniels, Mr. TTP, Mr. Talk to People, and I am excited about this one because this episode is all about multifamily. Listen, I want you to go out there and I want you to own as many doors as possible. I want you to have a robust real estate investment portfolio. I want you to do fix and flips. I want you to lend money. I want you to develop whatever you want to do out there. I want you to go after that. But I'm telling you, if you focus on learning how to find the best deals, learn how to have quality conversations with distressed property owners, you're going to be able to find the best deals, whether they be single family or multifamily. And I'm going to prove it to you on this podcast because I got two guys out of Idaho that are absolutely crushing it. They're closing a 28 unit. They're closing a 12 unit. It is Chase Bertoni and Tommy Trumbo from Idaho. Guys, how are you guys? Welcome to the Wholesaling Inc. podcast. Good, man. Excited to be here. When we start out, we kind of think, you know what? Maybe we'll just look for some small houses and, you know, get our feet wet. And then we start, we do that and we're like, well, what about maybe, you know, a duplex, maybe a triplex, maybe something else. You guys are going full on into like these bigger deals. And I want to jump right in and figure out how do you find these deals? How do you go about you know, going after the property owners that own these 12 to let's say 50 unit apartment complexes. And what's that conversation like? Is it different than, you know, working with somebody that owns a single family house? I'll let you guys tell us. Go ahead. Yeah, I think it's it's a lot different. You know, we do a couple different forms of, of marketing to contact people. Surprisingly, texting has still been really good for us. So we've kind of doubled down on that, but we do direct mail and driving for dollars. That always works. So a lot of the multifamily that we find, you know, we we find those by driving for dollars or even virtually driving for dollars. And uh, and then we just call them and, you know, see if they want to sell. If they want to sell, then that opens the door for the conversation. And, you know, we just start from that phase. It's just information gathering. We're just trying to find out, you know, how much does a property make? You know, is it mismanaged? Is it underperforming? Where can we add value? Is it something that we're interested in keeping or is it something that we want to wholesale? 
And then based on, you know, that starting conversation, we can start to guide the seller to the best option. And, you know, that's really what we're here for. You know, if we can find really good deals that we can keep and it's the best option for them, great. And if not, then, you know, we will find a way to to wholesale them and get them the cash that they need. Love it. And so you're literally just driving for dollars. You're literally driving down the street finding these apartments that look like they're older and they need some love. They need some renovation, at least some updating. And then what are you, are you putting it into an app? Are you looking at it on your computer? Like walk me through the tactics here. Yeah. So we use a deal machine to track everything. And, uh, you know, we also use PropStream to find information regarding the properties. So if we need to track down an owner and it's an LLC owner, uh, we can use PropStream to kind of take that LLC and plug it into the state website and see who owns the LLC. And then we can find out the name of the owner and kind of go from there. But yeah, I mean, we use a multitude of software just trying to figure out the best way to optimize it. So is it intimidating calling these multifamily owners? Oh, yeah. Yeah, always. Yeah. I mean, it always feels, you know, stressful to be, you know, calling somebody at random to talk to them about their property. I mean, we've had plenty of conversations that have go bad. They go south pretty quickly because yeah. nobody wants that phone call. But, you know, you get through that part of it and then you get that one person on the phone who's happy you reached out. And they're like, oh, yeah, I, you know, I actually planned on selling next month. Or and then, it, you know, you can make your deals that way. It just takes that one call. I think is how we kind of think about it. Like we have a bad one and we're like, you know what? Next one. It's going to be better. Yeah. Yeah. And are most of these properties owned in like LLCs and trusts and you have to really do a bunch of digging? Are you guys going after specifically like the multifamilies that are owned in like a person's name? Well, I think it's kind of a, a good mix up here in Idaho. There's a lot of properties that are sitting in a trust because somebody's grandpa owned it and it just kept getting passed down. Sure. Um, or you have, you know, LLCs that bought them and they are just mom and pops that started an LLC for the tax benefits. So they're not actually some big corporation that owns it. But yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a pretty, pretty solid mix. I'd say the majority are in trusts or LLCs and that, that doesn't really scare us. We just still go after them. So. And you can just get their phone numbers from skip tracing. Yeah. I mean, you got to, if it's an LLC, you can try to plug the LLC in and get info that way with the property, but oftentimes it's not super accurate. So it's better if you take that LLC and you look it up on the state website, because you can just do a business lookup and see who owns it. And then you can take their name and that address and plug it in and try to find them. You can even take it a step further and find that person's personal address and then skip trace the personal address too. There it is. Yeah. Yeah, you got you to gotta pull on that thread a little bit more than if it's just owned by an individual. And I love that you said right. that. Where do you go? You go to like your state corporation commission website? Yeah, it's the, it's the Secretary of State's website for Idaho. And I just really type in Idaho LLC lookup on Google. And I'm sure you could do that pretty much anywhere and find the right website. And you just plug in the LLC into the search bar and then it'll tell you who the registered agent is. And that's who you want to go after because they may not even be the person that owns the LLC, but they have a part in it somehow. And so you can get in touch with the right person. I love it. And sometimes it's the attorney. We, we run into that oh, yeah. a lot here in Phoenix where an attorney put together the LLC and they're the registered agent. And we've had no problem. Actually, we've done a couple really great deals recently where we've talked to the attorney and the attorney actually presents the offer and, and starts negotiating with us 
and it turned out really, really, really great deals. So don't be intimidated if you run across and it's like an attorney or law firm that is representing, just see if you can get to the specific person, the specific uh, attorney that's representing them and, and have a good conversation with them. And those guys set up a lot of LLCs and trust for a lot of these investors. So you can build some really good relationships there. So that's fantastic. So you're calling up these multifamily distressed properties. What are some questions that are different, right? What are some questions that you really have to find out that's different that you wouldn't have to find out with a single family rental, for instance? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest one is the performance of the property. When it comes to single family, you know, the performance can be kind of important if it's a rental, but most people don't really care unless you're trying to sell it to a burr buyer or something like that. But, you know, for us, especially with the amount of letters of intent that we send out, because we're we're looking for a lot of owner finance deals. So we send out a lot of LOIs trying to, you know, talk to these guys. And before we can put together an LOI, we need to know how it's performing. So if it's super underperforming and that's the only reason it's not making money, then that's a good thing to know. But if it's underperforming because it's trashed and it needs to be completely renovated, that's another good thing to know. So it just really comes down to like, we really need to know the condition of all the units, the quality of the tenant that's in there, how much money it's bringing in, what's your maintenance, what's your deferred maintenance. So, you know, those are all really, really important for us to know to be able to move forward on anything. So a lot of that has to do with asking about the condition of the property. So do you just ask them, you know, is every single unit remodeled? Is it not remodeled? Are some of them Mm -hmm. remodeled? Some of them aren't. When was the last time? Like, give us some juice here. Give us some actual questions that you ask these uh, property owners so that we can start implementing it right away when we run across these deals. Yeah, I mean, I think it just comes down to the type of seller you're talking to, because some of these sellers are just purely analytical and and they'll sit there and just kind of go bullet point by bullet point and tell you everything that, you know, you need to know when you're asking them. So, I mean, the thing that I usually ask is just like, I say, tell me about the property. And that works really well for my single family too. Cause you know, you you get some people that are just talkers and they'll just sit there and talk your ear off about the property and answer everything for you. You don't even have to ask any more questions. So I say, you know, tell me about the property. Some guys will start talking. Some of them will just be like, well, what do you want to know? And then I'll say, okay, well, you know, first off, what does it rent for? And, you know, if you don't know the exacts, what's, what's an average, when was the last time that you replaced the roof? When was the last time that you redid the forced air or anything like that? Any of the big ticket items. So that's really the biggest thing that we try to pay attention to. And then we kind of just take it from there. So. Awesome. Tommy Chase mentioned letter of intents. What does that mean? For us, it's just, you know, basically our offer. We have, Typically, we come up with multiple for somebody like to do an owner finance. So, um, for example, we have actually a seven unit that we've been working on in Pocatello. And we had sent two letters of intent, basically, which was our offers. One one of them was um, for, I think, 475000 with nothing down and then with a 4% interest. And then our other one was, I think, three eighty five with... How much? I think it was fifty or sixty. Or 50, down. fifty to sixty thousand down, mm-hmm. and uh, I can't remember the interest on those. But those are basically we with our owner finance deals. You know, we don't typically uh, pitch just one like of our offers. We have multiple on there, and then we kind of let them pick and choose. It works really good for us in our negotiating because a lot of times we can get people who 
they want their price. Well, it comes on, you know, our terms, you know, what we want for down payment and for interest, or if they want to do, you know, their interest and, you know, their terms. And it's like, we kind of go off our price for it. So. I love it. When you're talking to every single one of these multifamily, you're giving them different options. You're giving them a cash option, and then you're giving them two different owner financing options. Most of the time. Yeah. That's fantastic. Are these properties, in your experience, typically owned free and clear? Uh, some of them. I think it depends on how big it is. When you have smaller multifamily, often there's there's owed on it because either they bought it you know, somewhat recently, like within the last 10, 15 years, or they took out a HELOC on it or some sort of you know equity line for something else. Sure. Um, but the bigger stuff, a lot of the time it's free and clear because they bought them like in... 2008, 2009 for nothing. And so they've already paid it off by now. So if you, do you ever get into the situation where you put an owner financing contract together, you come to agreement and then you actually sell that contract to an end buyer, or are you guys going to just keep all those? Because people get real confused. They think only you can only wholesale cash offers. And that's, that's not true at all. We've had plenty of owner finance deals and sub two deals that we have put, you know, packaged together, made it really, really clean, and then sold it out to a wholesale deal because it was just a property that uh, I didn't want in my portfolio. So, is that something that you guys do, or do you guys keep everything? Oh yeah, we we're working on three owner carry deals right now. I think we're I think we're working on three owner carry deals right now that we plan on selling. I actually just sold one. I told you on Facebook the other day. I sold one on the golf course. Cause we, we had this property, this isn't multifamily, but it was a single family that, you know, we, we aren't really interested in any owner carry single family. Cause we'd rather just put our efforts towards the bigger stuff. Sure. But there's plenty of guys out there that want these smaller single families to add to their portfolio and owner carry is perfect. So this one property, the lady wanted just too much money. Um, it was kind of a sentimental thing for her grandma's house, but it was just very dilapidated. You know, it needs probably a hundred grand in work. It's worth around 200 grand. And she wanted 80. We knew we could wholesale it for 60. So we had offered her like 40 or 50,000 and uh, it didn't come together. So a few months went by and I reached back out to her and I said, Hey, would you consider, you know, carrying payments on this? And she said, well, what does that mean? And we jumped on a phone call and I kind of explained it to her, broke it down, how it would look. And the terms I got are pretty excellent. So it's a 60,000 purchase price with 15K down so they can pay off their credit cards because they, they tried to renovate the property a little. And, uh, and then we did 4% or 0% interest. So no interest and no payments for 45 days. And, uh, they're going to carry it for two years so they can renovate this property, get it rented and refinance it within those two years and pay off them. And they're not going to have any interest on it. So awesome. And you sold it for how much? Uh, we did a $15,000 assignment on that. Well, first of all, I'm going to ring this bell. This is, I'm going <laughs> to ring the bell a couple of times because I want to ring it on the bigger one, but here you go. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, let's get into your bigger deals. Let's look at these ones, the 28 and the 12. Are those, is 28 the biggest one that you guys have uh, come across so far? Uh, not the biggest, but that's a bigger one. Yeah. So that 28 unit was a similar situation. We were, we were going to own or finance that. And the seller just kind of, the seller and her family just decided it wasn't the best option for them at the time. So they decided to just get a cash offer, which was fine because our cash offer was, I believe, 1.5 million. And the owner carry offer was significantly more. We were going to give them their asking price of 1.8 million. 
And so they molded over for quite a few months. I think it was two or three months. We kind of kept going back and forth here and there and finally said, okay, let's do the 1.5 cash. Mm -hmm. And so we said, no problem. And we went ahead, locked that up, got all the financials, got all the information, started sending that to a couple of our buyers. And now we got somebody who locked it up for a $30,000 assignment. And when does that close? That closes Monday, next Monday. And how much are you going to make? 30000 And why didn't you keep it? Uh, just because we, we weren't going to go get a loan. It's on a cash it. deal, right? Yeah, let somebody else do it. Love it. Here we go. That is awesome. So I assume, you know, I'm getting very strong vibes from you guys that you want to own a lot of real estate. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Why? Yeah. Passive income is, is the best way to do it. I mean, we just want to own as many doors as we can and, you know, retire early. Our, both of our goals is to retire before 30. So before you're 30 years old, how old are you? I'll be 24 this year. He just turned 24. Absolutely incredible. You guys are on fire. So <laughs> you want, what? what's the passive income number that allows you to retire? I could, I could comfortably step away from wholesaling for long periods if I was making 5,000 a month. Okay. Yeah. And, but what's the big goal? The big goal? I mean, I'm just going to keep going. You know, I I don't really have an ultimate goal per se. 5,000 a month puts me in a really comfortable position to be able to enjoy life, travel, take care of my girlfriend and just, you know, do whatever I need to do. But, you know, if we could get 250, 300 doors, I mean, I'd be pretty happy with that too. So Tommy, what do you think, brother? I guess to speak for both of us, I mean, with as much as, you know, we love cars. I feel like you're going to need some pretty big passive income for that. So I honestly, I honestly think it, you know, probably for me, like 10 to 15,000 a month. Love it. And I would be like, I don't have to do anything else, but also at the same time, if I see deals, I'm not going to turn them down because I think I'm happy with this amount. Yeah. It's just, there's no reason not to keep adding doors all the time. Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna need you're gonna need more than five thousand a month if you're into cars. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm yeah, just telling yeah, you right exactly. now. Well, just, I, yeah. I just think for you know, like five thousand a month, that's like that's comfortable enough. Like I said, to just kind of take a break from wholesaling, maybe do a little traveling, and then come back. Like Tommy, I don't think I'll ever pass up a good deal. I think I'll always keep prospecting, but it just won't be this giant priority that I have to wake up every day and do it. Um, instead it's something that I can do kind of at my own ease and just be able to enjoy life a little bit more, you know, you mentioned traveling, I get that, but I mean, you're probably not going to be a nomad for forever. (laughs) So why, why do you want to have the passive income before, before you're 30? Like, what are you going to do with your time then? Yeah. I mean, we both, like I said, we're both into cars. I think we both would love to go into something regarding cars, maybe like a luxury car dealership or something like that would be something we could transition into. Uh, we're both really into modifying cars too. So maybe something that's a little bit of a combination of both, but yeah, I mean, the free time would be great, but I think both of us would, would lose our minds if we just did nothing <laughs> for the rest of our lives. So, I mean, we, we probably, like I said, go into something related with cars, invest in, in something like that and, you know, keep just pursuing stuff that we love. I love it. And multifamily is going to get you that passive cash flow. Oh yeah, way faster than right? single family too. Yeah, and and when you're evaluating it, it sounded like you were really hitting on the condition of the property. You're really hitting on the economics of the property. Do you guys go to like area experts? Do you go to commercial? Because these bigger deals that are over four units is is uh, considered commercial, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got commercial lending, which is much different, and you've got commercial brokers 
that all they do all day is call these owners of these apartment complexes and try to sell them or try to bring a buyer to them. I mean, are you re- are you reaching out to these people? Are you building relationships with some commercial agents and just double checking your numbers when you look at it and just seeing maybe if they have any buyers once you guys do have these locked up? Are you working with them? Yeah, I mean, we we know a couple of commercial brokers and lenders and agents and stuff, but to be 100% honest with you, we don't spend a ton of time talking with them just because retail is a little bit different. I guess like we don't really target stuff that's really nice. And that's like why I always hit on condition because I want to find, it's like the same with single family. I want to find motivated multifamily sellers, not just right. any multifamily seller, you know? So, I mean, what the commercial, you know, guys in that space can bring is is important, but, you know, we just focus on what our buyers say, you know, and, and kind of get feedback from them as we're working the deal and just, see, sure. you know, Hey, if I were to bring this deal, where would it make sense for you? Where would the numbers need to be? And almost reverse wholesale some of these bigger multifamilies too. So, yeah. How do you find these buyers? Um, we've connected with them just over time. I mean, we've been in the business now for three and a half years. And I think just over time, we've met people in, in Boise and going to meetups and stuff like that, just who you know are interested in, in the bigger stuff. They'll buy flips as well, but they're really more interested in bigger multifamily. Yeah, I think it's just being connected to people, you know, big guys in each market and knowing them and having a good relationship with them. They can kind of connect you with other people. So we just also weren't afraid to reach out to anybody. Mm-hmm. If we had a question or we saw somebody in a group who was doing something and that interest us or we were kind of doing the same thing, you know, just not being afraid to shoot them a message on Facebook and then talk to them. Because that's actually how we met one of our now kind of partners up mm-hmm. in Idaho Falls. So I just messaged him one day because I saw everything he was doing. He runs an REI meetup in Idaho Falls. He has a property management company, like all his stuff. You know, he seems like he's doing really well. So I, we reached out to him. And now at this point, that's kind of created a relationship. Now we have a property manager up there for like all of you know the units that we want to get. Uh, yeah. 12 unit that we'll be closing on next month. His property management company will actually be doing the work for us on that. So... Just being able to reach out to people, and yeah. I think it's just created a, a giant buyer's list because, you know, those people also know 10 other people. And what do you say when you reach out? Uh, honestly, just I introduce myself typically and tell them that, I, you know, I'm a wholesaler or I guess, you know, especially back then, I was like, I'm a wholesaler. I see that you, you know, do a lot of work in, you know, Pocatello or Twin Falls or wherever it is and be like, I have this deal right now. Would you be interested in taking a look at it? And you know, usually look at it. And then even if, you know, they're not interested, I'd be like, I was like, you know, that's fine. Is it good if I put you on my buyer's list? And then they usually say yes. And then, you know, you start building that list uh, from there. I love it. Do you think that that is a really strong advantage that you already have a property that you want to put in front of them as opposed to just being like, hey, I see that you buy properties here and I'm out there, you know, hustling up opportunities. When I run across one, can I bring it to you? Do you feel like it breaks the ice a little bit better or do you think it doesn't matter? I think it's good. I mean, because then they they know that you are actually out there getting deals because there's a lot. I've had a ton of wholesalers who hit me up and asked if I want to be on their buyer's list and I've never heard from them again. Right. You know? But like, yep. so it's like, that was the only conversation that we ever had. But you know, when I've brought, you know, we bring deals to people and they see that, then a lot of times they're asking us, you know, a month later, Hey, what do you have? What do you have? Like, do you have anything in this area, anything that I can look at, you know, stuff like that. And it's a lot easier when you have buyers who are hitting you up and not ones that you're trying to constantly get a hold of. 
I love it. And you guys as a partnership, are you guys the ones sending out the text and making the calls and doing doing the lead generation or do you have a staff? Like what does that look like? Yeah, so we've uh we've had a couple people kind of come and go. You know, most of them were friends of either myself or or Tom and uh you know, it, it is how it is. Some people are, you know, motivated and they want to do this long term, and some people just kind of see an opportunity for some quick cash and they make a couple, they may do a couple deals, and then they're like, "Yeah, I'm going to move on." So, you know, for us, this has always been something that we saw as a long term opportunity, and you know, it's something that we've used now to develop, you know, multifamily, and, and that's always been our goal pretty much from the start. So we had, we, like I said, we've had a couple of guys that worked for us in the past, brought a couple deals, and then they kind of just moved on. But as of right now, it's just us two. We have a, we have an American cold calling team that does some cold calling for us, but it's managed by a different company, so we don't really ever touch it. We we just get emails. Who's it managed by? Lead. Uh, it's called I think Lead Mining Pros. Lead Mining Pros. Okay. I think that's what it is. Awesome. And then you guys are just doing mostly lead follow up. Yeah. So, well, I mean, we're doing the generation when it comes to, you know, inbound uh, direct mail. So people call in from direct mail, we take those calls. People call back from cold calls, we take those calls. Yep. Um, and then, you know, text text message generation and follow up and all that stuff's done by us too. So are you guys sending letters or postcards? Um, I wish I had one sitting here to show you, but they're, they're like, uh, they're probably about like this big, they're, they're postcards. So they're, they're pretty small. They're very simple. They're done through deal machine. Uh, we just use their system and, and, you know, created a template with our company colors and our logo in the corner. And it just says, you know, is this your property? It puts the address. I'd love to make you a cash offer. Call me. Like it's very simple. You know, it hasn't done the greatest for us, but we also don't have a ton on there because it's just our uh, driving for dollars list that gets mailed, which yeah. isn't massive. It's like a thousand or so properties. Twin Falls, which is where we live, is a pretty small market. Um, and we're doing most of our deals in southeastern Idaho, like Idaho Falls and Pocatello, you know, all the surrounding markets up there too, which is massive compared to us. So a lot of our driving for dollars has to be done virtually and it's kind of a pain to make it work right. So we're, we're still working on that side of things, but. Have you been in those markets and driven for dollars or are you doing it all just on the website? No, never even been there. I mean, I, I would, I've been there. I've been to Pocatello when I was a kid in high school, but that's, that's it. Say, I played football games and yeah. stuff in Idaho Falls and like, or drove through it. And that was, that's like the most. Yeah. We've got, we've got five deals closing this front. Are you guys even going to these properties that you're locking up? No. Incredible. How do you get pictures of them? Uh, we've got buyers up there. And then I also have a friend of mine that I can just pay him, you know, his gas and like his hourly to step out from his job and go look at them. And then, yeah, he just put, puts them in a Google drive file for us and sends it to us. Simple as that. Yeah. Yep. Find ugly properties, talk to the property owner, give them several options lock it down either way and then either wholesale it or keep it. Yeah, exactly. We've got, we got five deals closing this month, uh, two of which have already closed and they're all virtual. We haven't seen any of them in person. I love it. Give some advice to everybody starting out. What should they do? What should be the first action that they take? They're listening to this. They've got stars in their eyes, electricity in their feet, right? They're, they're ready to go. They're chomping at the bit. They're waiting for the right instructions so that they can just go out and take some action. What advice would you give them? Chase you first and then Tommy. 
Uh, yeah, I would say just, you know, find your deal and the money will come. So find the property, talk to the owner, you know, just take massive action and just, just go after it. You know, if you're in a market that has a lot of crappy houses, all of everything that you need is right there. You don't even need a car. You could go walk for houses if you really wanted to Yep. just go look for the crappiest houses you can find connect with local investors. Most cities have Facebook groups for investors. Just type in, like if you're in Boise, for example, type in Boise Real Estate Investors on Facebook. Nine times out of 10, there's a group. You can join it, post your deal in there, say, hey, I just got this. Let me know what you guys think. And you know, if you have good deals, buyers will come. They just will. So find the deals first and then the money will follow. Tommy. I think uh, for people who you know don't have a whole lot of money to start, you know, throwing it at softwares and, you know, texting and mail marketing and, you know, prop stream, all the stuff that we use. Um, I'd say just utilize free resources going down to your, you know, down to the courthouse and getting utility like shutoff lists and you know, uh, lean like tax liens, like anything like that. Any of those lists that you can get from your city where you can cold call those numbers, Yep, cold call those people and, you know, using true people search for, you know, just to try and find somebody's, <laughs> name just you know i think and that's what we did when we started is we we didn't use anything we used auction.com was our first deal we (laughs) ever got and using and it was huge too our first deal ever it was huge yeah our first deal ever was it was forty thousand like forty thousand dollars and it was a deal on auction.com and then i how we met i brought that deal to chase and then he actually found the guy on facebook (laughs) yeah and he lived in oregon and it you know it, it worked out but we didn't spend a dime on that lead yeah, it costed us nothing. And that was it, that was a crazy lead. It was, but like I think you know that's you know one of the best things you can do is just make sure you're utilizing your free resources until you have the money, you know, to start paying for the more expensive. So I the, people are going to scream at me if I don't ask about the auction.com deal. So what you win on the auction.com is it? Don't you have to pay cash for those properties really fast if you commit yeah, to that deal? It was a it was a pre foreclosure, so it, it wasn't it was scheduled, but it wasn't it didn't happen yet. So right, and that's something that I see really often. If for everybody out there watching, if if it's pre foreclosure and the auction hasn't happened, they still own the property. Yep, the, the sellers do. So, mm-hmm. and that's I think that's nationwide. I'm not 100 percent on that, but I'm pretty sure. So. Yeah. You know, this one was slated for auction. I think it was about a month and a half after Tommy reached out to me. And he, me and him got connected through a mutual friend in real estate. I had done one deal prior and he had done none. And my prior deal paid me like, it was like $4,000. It was another pre-foreclosure. And my buddy that helped me get that first deal too, he went and knocked on his door. So that one worked out really well. But yeah, it was like four grand. And I think I, I blew through it in like a month, just being dumb. And I was like, well, I need another one. And so, yeah, this guy was in pre-foreclosure. Uh, the house was vacant. You know, there was nobody there. And so me and Tommy just went to work. We, we, we tried true people search. We tried all the free things to try and get a hold of this guy. And nothing worked. And finally, I was like, well, you know what? I'm just going to search him on Facebook and, and see if anything comes up. And so then I, I pull up the guy's name and I click on him and it says, used to live in Twin Falls, lives in, I think he was in Eugene or something like that. And so I said, well, okay, I'll, I'll shoot him a message and see if he responds. And I just said, hey, do you still own the house on, it was on Dixon, I think. Yeah. I said, do you still own the house on Dixon? And, and nothing for like a day. And I called Tommy at like one o'clock in the morning. I was like, dude, he responded because he just said, no, it got sold or something like that. 
Yeah. And I told him, well, hey, let me do a little research, but I'm pretty sure you still own it until they auction it. He said, okay, well, by all means. And, and I researched, I reached out to Title One and Twin Falls. We've used them for years now. And Susie Moore, who's now my escrow agent for everything, because she killed it on this. She said, yeah, he still owns it. I did a title search. It's still his. Uh, auction is scheduled for a month and a half from now. So I messaged him. I said, hey, you still own it. Uh, it looks like you owe about 70 grand. How would you feel about if I, I give you 90,000 and you can walk away with 20K? And he said, that sounds great. I thought I lost it already. Let's do it. So we, uh, you know, haphazardly threw together a contract that we didn't understand and we sent it to him and uh, he docu-signed it and, and sent it back. And uh, I submitted it to title and we went through a whole lot of hoops to get it done because the payoffs were impossible to get because one of the banks went bankrupt. So it got sold to another bank. So they spent a bunch of time trying to track it down. And it was the day that it was supposed to be auctioned. Susie Moore went to the title, went with the title that had transferred down to the steps of the courthouse and showed them, hey, it's sold. Like it's, you can't sell it. And we made $40,000 on that one. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. I am telling you, massive, imperfect action, right? Exactly. I mean, exactly. that's it. You're not getting tripped up by the paperwork. You're not getting tripped up by the process. You're letting the title company handle it. You're letting them make sure that it gets done before the auction date. And by the way, most of the time with pre-foreclosures, they'll postpone the auction date if you have a contract. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I would say 99% of the time, right. So, I mean, yeah. you just, you, you let them know and they push it back. They don't want to do the auction. It costs them a lot of right. money to do the auction. So right. absolutely incredible, guys. How, how can people get a hold of you? Maybe they want to invest with you. Maybe they want to be your buyers. Maybe they want to squat up and send you deals that you guys buy. What's the best way to reach out to you guys? Can you give me my sideline number? I mean, that's not bad. Yeah, I'll give, you, I'll give you guys my number. You can call me or text me uh, 208-450-2990. And you can get call ready. me or text me. Get um, ready. My, <laughs> I'm ready. My my uh, Instagram too is Bertoni Investments, so you can hit me up on there if you want to DM me or follow me. Awesome. I mean, we'll we'll put that in the show notes for sure, so people can get a hold of you. Guys, incredible. Thank you for coming down and breaking this down. I mean, it's not rocket science here. It's the yeah. same conversations. It's a little bit more knowledge that you need to have, a little bit more digging that you need to have pre-qualifying on the property owners. But the fact remains, if they are in distress, if they want to get rid of these properties, then you, there's room to negotiate. And the yeah. deal of a lifetime comes around once a week. Dolph DeRue said that years and years and years ago, and you guys are finding it all the time, five this month, by the way. So yeah. absolutely incredible. So excited to have you guys on here. Thank you. Thank you for being yeah, on here. Thank, thank you for having us. Appreciate it. And a couple of resources, guys. Deal Machine, they give us the biggest discount for the Rhino Tribe. Use TTP uh, when you're checking out to get the biggest discount that they have. And then PropStream, you can find it at ttpdata.com. And if you're interested in joining the most proactive community in real estate investing, it is the Rhino Tribe. Go to wholesalinginc.com dot com wholesalinginc.com check out what it's all about and join this unbelievable community if it feels good in your gut sign up for a call we look forward to working with you and that's it i close out this podcast as i always do encouraging you to go out there and talk to people till next time love you guys see ya 
That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at wholesalinginc.com by joining the mailing list as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe and work personally with one of our amazing coaches. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.